1: Good Wednesday evening everybody and welcome into the program. I'm Jeff Joniak with my broadcast partner from News Radio 105.9 WBBM, Mr. Tom Thayer, the Super Bowl Bear and we're wishing you a pleasant good evening. We've got a full show here tonight. Just the two of us, Jim Miller not able to make it tonight, prior commitment. Uh, Tom, you think we can can muster up an hour long show on the Bears? Can we do it tonight?
2: Jeff, I heard that the Bears have the number one pick in the draft. Have they you heard do. that? Yeah. Because what's amazing about this is because it's the first experience for us ever being around the first pick in the draft, when obviously you pay attention to a lot of football shows during this time of year in the playoffs and everything, and no matter what team they want to talk about, the topic always starts with the first pick in the draft. And now you're starting to see uh, – Mock drafts out there from a lot of different people who are trying to capitalize on the attention this far in advance, and it's just amazing because until they walk to the podium, unless some unbelievable uh, something unbelievably happens before, then Goodell's going to go to the podium at the, at the opening of the draft, and it and the the Bears are going to be in control of that draft.
1: Yeah, it is pretty cool now in the aftermath of what well, was a 14-loss season, but you do have draft capital here. Uh, yes, I think one of the cool things about this year's draft, and I know this has been the last few years, if I'm not mistaken, but they have these draft simula- simulators that you can go on uh, some of the different platforms, and you can punch in. You know, all the scenarios, make your draft selections, make trades. So you're getting people doing this and putting it out on Twitter, which you're not on, uh, and you're seeing all the – some people are saying trade down more than once, amass as many picks as possible, amass picks for 2024 and 2025 in the first round. Just really, it, it's it's a fun time if you're a football fan because this is fantasy football and it's fantasy football steroidal right now with the draft because the Bears have such draft capital. The name that keeps coming up if they were to keep that pick or even turn down most people, and it it could be fans, it could be the experts, they're looking at Jalen Carter, the defensive tackle from Georgia at number one.
2: Yeah, you know, the thing to me is um, if I look at a player from that position, how many effective snaps a game are you giving me? Because we've seen guys come through the Bears' train of defensive tackles, and there's been guys that have been able to play multiple snaps per game, and then there's been guys that were darn good were playing a limited amount of snaps per game. So when you're talking about a guy like Jalen Carter, the first pick in the draft, who's going to be a defensive game changer uh, for your staff and for what your philosophical thinking is right now, Um, You know, I would just, you know, analytically, how many snaps are you giving? How many effective snaps a game are you giving me?
1: What, What do you want?
2: Um, I mean, are you considering him a pass rusher? Are you considering him a first and down offensive or defensive lineman to stop the run? You, you know, you better give me, you know, 38 snaps a game of impressive football play. If you can give me that, then you are you are a game changer and a scheme changer.
1: All right. Let's let's break it down a little bit, because uh, in 2020, as a freshman played 10 games, 287 snaps. Uh, he is a sophomore in 2021. Played in all 15 games, 396 snaps, and then this past season, 10 games because he missed five with an MCL, 308 snaps. He had 18 tackles. Uh, he had a uh, 25 total pressures, five quarterback hits, and three sacks. So uh, this is what you're talking about because at Georgia, even on the offensive side of the ball, they rotate in a lot of guys.
2: Right. You know, but two is, you know, is he the type of guy that every time they break the huddle, defensively speaking, for the Bears, and are they, as the offensive line and the protection, going to be, you know, concentrating everything on making sure, identify where he is. Does he line up on one spot? Does he like to pick and choose? Does he like to pick on the worst pass protector on the, you know, the opponent's offensive line? So, you know, you play against guys like that during the course of your career that because of the protection, the direction you want to go, you got to locate him, and then you got to make some calls going to the line of scrimmage.
1: Well, you look at his length and his size and the space that he eats. He's got elite quickness and agility and a really good get off at the line of scrimmage, and you're thinking about Matt Eberflus's defense and Alan Williams. And what kind of size that they had in Indianapolis at the inside position. Obviously, three technique is, is the critical aspect of things. Uh, but, you know, you get a defensive lineman from the interior like that. And as a guard yourself, you know what that means. Uh, that's a that's, uh, quicker quicker steps to the quarterback from the interior position, which can collapse and force the quarterback to move to either side and get your ends to take care of business. It'll be interesting to see where they go here and and what kind of player because they, they need both inside and they need edge rushers.
2: You you know what else? If you take a guy on the interior like that and he's great every snap he goes to the line of scrimmage, every time they know what hand the center is going to snap the ball with. Now if you got a center that's thinking about, wow, I got to get this snap up quick because the defensive lineman's going to be into me so fast I'm not going to have any power. Then the next thing you know I'm going to be in the lap of the quarterback. So two is you know when you have a guy like that and how much you, if he affects multiple thinking. In, if he's a great player from the office of coordinator to the center, the center quarterback exchange to the quarterback, how much time he has and then the direction of the protection that they've called in the huddle.
1: Well, you know, we we played Kansas City a couple years ago, so I'm in preseason, obviously not the same uh, analysis, but watching Chris Jones play and moving him on the outside, the way he angles and attacks the guard position, uh, I, I I want somebody like that certainly to be as disruptive as possible. Even if he's not getting home, He's causing a lot of problems for your offensive
2: right. line. and You know, you have Clark in Green Bay also, who's a heck of a defensive tackle. And he's a guy that single-handedly can slow down the running game from the inside shoulder of each offensive guard. And when you can take up and command that much space, your linebackers, your defensive ends, everybody's going to play better because of it. And I know there's a lot of emphasis on the role of the three uh, technique defensive tackle in this type of scheme but you have a guy that's overwhelmingly do, uh, dominating over the center position that makes your three technique tackle even better
1: uh so non-playoff teams like the bears they've been in the bunker they've been in the bunker already after that uh, end of season news conference ryan Poles and his crew uh, are are in it now looking at free agency getting ready for the draft you got the scouts at the all-star games Uh, The free agent plan being formulated, uh, and you watch conference playoff games this weekend. So you get a head start, but you'd rather be in those games. San Francisco at Philly, Kansas City hosting Cincinnati. Uh, You'd rather be doing playoff prep today rather than roster prep, but this is the hand you're dealt, and the Bears are in a prime position uh, to really do some damage. And I can't wait to see it all unfold. It's not all going to happen at once. We keep touching on that. It's not all going to happen. But this should be a markedly improved roster in 2023
2: well you know you got to look at the two teams in the nfc you know the san francisco and philly the bears beat the san francisco 49ers and i know that they were starting an inexperienced quarterback in a deluge of a rainstorm that day but the bears were still able to do it. and then they took it right down to the fourth yep. quarter when they played the philadelphia eagles so there's somewhere that you got to start convincing yourself you're not a law lo- you're not a long way away from where these teams are when you look at what you're able to do. And then you think about the San Francisco 49ers. Are they the, and and I, and I don't mean any disrespect to Trey Lance, but are these guys the luckiest team in the NFL? Because they convinced themselves that Trey Lance was the starting quarterback at the beginning of the year so much that they ignored Jimmy Garoppolo. And then immediately when Trey Lance was injured, Jimmy came in as the savior and then they were injured, and now because, and I hate that term, because that, I think it's disrespectful when you say Mr. Irrelevant, it's just that Brock Purdy happens to be the last player allowed to be picked in the draft, and you see how great of a player he's become. Not that he's become, how great of a player that he is.
1: Oh, he's efficient. He's just efficient, and he knows what he's doing. He can read the field, and uh, he believes in himself. That's first and foremost. He's not out there scared at at one bit. The poise of this quarterback, and I know things like this aggravate you. The Trey, the Trey Lance probably aggravates you, but he, but he did get hurt as the season, you know. And then the New York Jets quarterback, that your boy Zach, me. not that Trey. <laughs> I,
2: uh, Trey well, getting injured is part of the game. But the whole Zach Wilson thing where, you know, you've been scouted and they have spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and determined that he's the number two pick in all the NFL draft and they never paid any attention to Purdy. I, you know.
1: Well, you know, and this is the problem with quarterbacks, man. They – this is why some are gonna drive up in this draft. You would think because there's, there doesn't seem to be a star-studded list, but I think some will. Somebody's gonna fall in love with somebody, and that happens. It's uh, it's like a beautiful woman, Big Tom. You, you know that the quarterback position. You just and you know how many times you've been in love, you little heartbreaker. <laughs> All right, Tom. There, Jeff Joniak here on Bears All Access. Thanks to our producer tonight, Adam Staczynski in the Score Studios. Dan Brilli and Jordan Treadup helping us out as well. We'll take our first break. This is Bears All-Access brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to Bears All-Access. We're brought to you by IGS Energy. Choose clean energy for your home at IGS.com because every good choice adds up to a better world. Jeff and Tom with you tonight. It's a no guest night. It's just us for the whole hour. So welcome back and thanks for listening tonight on a snowy Wednesday. How many inches did you get over there in Joliet big time?
2: Uh, about 5.
1: Yeah, did you shovel or did you let it just you going to let it melt?
2: Shoveled and uh you know pitched into some neighbors houses around the block and uh you know that's what we do here. You,
1: you are America's good guy. <laughs> right. I, you are right. helping helping everybody in in your in your great town of Joliet. I, I love that. I, unfortunately, didn't get my sorry rear end out there to do even the sidewalk, so I, I need to get on that, though. That's for sure. Uh, but a little more snow coming on the weekend when we'll be camped out watching conference playoff games. And I wanted to talk about this and take you down memory lane a little bit because your conference final games, obviously the very first one you were in, you guys made the made the big game, uh, big game win over the Rams. You shut them out January 12th uh 1986 after a 21 nothing went over the giants you go up 10 zip then willie galt got a 22 yard touchdown from jim mcmahon and by the way congratulations jim mcmahon he's a new grandpa did you yeah. see that
2: yeah, yeah his um his youngest son zach had a baby i yeah his ex-wife nancy sent me some pictures uh you know, so that's your
1: there. version of, of social media is the ex-wives sending you pictures because I saw it on Twitter, and it looks uh, – Jim McMahon holding that baby. Yep. That was beautiful. I love seeing that. I
2: grew up really close to those guys when we all played yeah. for the Bears, so I spent a lot of time with all of his kids, and I still have a great friendship with all of them.
1: But anyway, so let, let's go back and talk about that because you guys – clearly dominated that game it was it was a complete the score may have only been 24 nothing but that was complete dominance against the la rams what do you remember about the preparation for that game and in the end result obviously was a beauty wilbur finished it off in the snow and a 52-yard fumble return touchdown
2: you know, what you know, what was their point of emphasis offensively speaking? And and that's kind of what your challenge is on our side of the ball. So you think if you have Eric Dickerson on one side and you got Walter Payton on the other. So now it's our our goal is to make sure that we Make sure the running game is as important as it's been up until that point in the season, and that's first and foremost the role of the offense is to have a time consumption offense that gets a lot of rushing yards, and then is complemented by the passing game, um, and then McMahon calling some audibles. I think I think he might have audible at a line of scrimmage and ran in for a touchdown too. So um, you know, back in those days, it was probably more boring preparation. Because we are going over the exact same running plays that we inserted day one of the season and it was down to playoff time.
1: Oh, you guys ran at thirty three for ninety one yards, so it wasn't That's easy. That's awful. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just That's telling awful. you what happened. I yeah. Mean,
2: <laughs>
1: what were you expecting against that Rams defense?
2: You know, I was hoping that we would have, you know, in the high one hundreds in terms of rushing, but thirty three carries, that's just a time consuming. Right. You guys own the clock.
1: You had you had about a, right. a ten minute advantage on the clock. And I, I love just going back because I wanted to know like the story behind the story here in, in that game. Uh but the defense shut him down. I mean, they did run for eighty six yards, but what would he do? 66 passing yards on 10 completions in that game for Dieter Brock. Tell me a story about the Dieter Brock experience.
2: Dieter Brock was just a little guy who was using an offense that Eric Dickerson was their key to success. And if you go back and you look at their other play, you know, the outskirt players, the receivers and the tight ends, there wasn't any, you know, guys, you know, all pros, I, I don't think, of the team at that point. And Dieter had no escapability. There was no way that he was going to run away from the defensive pressure that Buddy Ryan was going to put on him. But I think it was always, it might have been a fourth and one where where they were going to run the ball with Eric Dickerson and Mike Singletary met him directly in the hole. It could have been a third and one. I thought it was a fourth and one, though, because it was a play that they still play on all the, Marquee plays of of a middle linebacker making a big play against a big player, and yeah, Singletary against Eric Dickerson, it, it was just a great play.
1: Right, and uh, Les Frazier had an interception in that one. He is a coaching candidate again. Uh, should he so uh, get some interviews now that the Bills are out and and uh, at sixty three, uh, still would like to see him get another crack at it. So let's now take it to nineteen eighty eight. That one didn't go so well. Obviously, you lost to the Forty ers Montana to Rice twice. John Frank, who I believe now is a, is a dentist. Is that right? No, he's a doctor. <laughs> a doctor. Okay, yeah. third quarter. He scored a touchdown. It was a zero wind chill, 20 degrees. And uh, I remember being in the locker room covering that after, and guys were still cold. But it it wasn't. It didn't go well, big Tom. What what do you remember about the preparation for that, taking on that Bill Walsh-led San Francisco 49er team?
2: Uh, getting suckered into the pregame hype that just because that they were coming to soldier field and the conditions were going to be so awful that they were coming into bare weather. And it was almost like they were just going to come in here, lay down and we are going to beat them. Like we had the success during the course of the season, then go on to the super bowl. Uh, that was our plan. Unfortunately, uh, uh, San Francisco, (laughs) they, they didn't cooperate because they had a great team. They had a great coach. Um, they had explosiveness. They had a great defense. You know, earlier in the year, we played them on Monday Night Football at Soldier Field, and we only beat them ten to nine. So it wasn't like we were rolling into that conference championship game flying high because we, you know, we beat them earlier in the year, and that was probably one of the more physical games that I played in in my career. That that ten to nine game.
1: Well, they had some Pro Bowlers there. Remember Michael Carter.
2: Oh yeah, nose tackle, so, Michael silver Carter. medalist, silver medalist in the uh, Olympics for shot put.
1: Charles Haley at outside linebacker uh, saw what he he was at the uh, NFC uh, divisional game last weekend and uh, looking good. He had eleven yep. and a half sacks that year. Uh, remember uh, defensive end by the name of Larry Roberts?
2: Oh yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: yeah, you remember all these guys. Yeah. Do you remember anything about your own preparation for these conference championships?
2: um you know at two different times you know at this at the beginning at the first year that i was with the bears that we were getting ready for the nfc championship game <clears throat> i was kind of following in the jet dust of what these guys have already started in 1984 and i was just trying to hang on and keep up and contribute was what was expected of me because of what happened in 84 and i became just familiar with you know the ride home and everything and you know, how determined these guys were when they did get beat by San Francisco to come back and have a big year. And so that was my experience in that round of the playoffs. And then, like I said, we kind of got suckered into thinking that we are going to win the game against San Francisco the second time around because we did beat them in a physical game during the course of the year. But uh, weather and conditions and everything kind of, you know, we we were sold on the fact that they were going to come in and collapse because of the temperature
1: and your group did not go back to another conference championship game and nope. not another one for the bears until the 2006 conference championship win over the New Orleans Saints at Soldier Field I, i'm sure it still aggravates you to this day
2: in any in any game i've ever played at in, in my entire career uh losing that NFC championship game at home against the San Francisco 49ers is the one that's left the most indelible mark of any game. And listen, I lost four times against USC in in college. I got beat in the Sugar Bowl for the national championship game. I got beat in the USFL championship game. Hmm. I, I've been beat in games that I know the impact and how much they mean to a team. But losing that San Francisco game, that haunts me worse than any game I've ever been around.
1: Hmm. Who, who beat you in the USFL championship game?
2: Philadelphia Stars.
1: Okay, Calvin Bryant.
2: Jim Morris Sr., Calvin Bryant was a great running back. Might have been Chuck Fusina, the quarterback there. Huh, interesting.
1: USFL getting started up again in in April, I believe. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. All right, we're going to take another break. Tom Thayer, Jeff Joniak here on Bears All Access. We'll take a look at at some of the interesting nuggets about what's going on in the league in terms of coaches, who's going where. We'll touch on some of the All-Star games and look at some of the awards that will be given out on February 9th, uh, including Coach of the Year finalists and MVP finalists. This is Bears All Access. It's brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Yes, this segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by Athletico Physical Therapy. Visit athletico.com to request an employment in clinic or virtually and start feeling better tomorrow. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, here on Bears All Access. Adam Stadzinski is our producer tonight. In the Score Studios, appreciate you being alongside, uh, Tom. Uh, I was watching and digging into some of this draft coverage now. Just getting ready, the initial stages of getting ready for uh, a, what is a, a lot of research uh, for the next several weeks uh, and months before the draft. And uh, one of the the best ones is the the job that Dane Brugler of uh, of the Athletic puts together. It's called the Beast. <laughs> it's so it's so much information. I don't know how one man could put that all together, but He he was just looking at, you know, what some of the top picks are going to be. He put edge rusher as the top position in this year's class as of right now and a difficult position to kind of rank in terms because teams want different types of guys. Uh, But edge rusher and then corner and tight end. So when you look at the Bears, obviously every position is up for an improvement, right? That's the way you got to look at it. So... And, and I like what Ryan Poles said at the season ender. He's going to focus on value in the draft. So no matter what, you got to focus on value and make sure that you're getting the right guy for your team based on value. And you're not just picking everybody's uh, top favorite guys. You're, you're the value picks because – Guys are going to fall and rise based on whatever everybody else wants, and that is a smart approach, and that has to be the approach.
2: But I think, Jeff, that's the same thing I brought up when we talked about Jalen Carter. Value is how many snaps are you giving me. I think there's value in the eye of the beholder. Like you say, okay, I'm going to go out there and evaluate this edge rusher. He's got explosiveness off the line of scrimmage like I've never seen out of two to three guys i've come across in this league and his explosiveness is so dominant that's the one trait you need to have in order to be an edge rusher if you think you're going to be a slow edge rusher it's not going to happen so that's what you have to go out and you look at the value of what they offer you determining upon competitive position but when you talk about carter he I've seen him man. he can do everything great he's as, as dominant as a player as there been at at his level that's going to carry his his talents to the next level but you got to make sure and it, it kind of seems to me that he's on that trajectory when you talk about the number of snaps he's increased every year during his career so like you said whether you're looking at a tight end cornerback or edge rusher there's going to be one dominant trade that you need to see out of every one of these positions, and do they present that to you first?
1: All right. He also has 10 corners in his top 75 picks, and he graded five tight ends, top 50 players overall, which he says is rare. So uh, if you're looking to add another tight end to the mix for the Bears, what kind of tight end are you looking for?
2: Um, You know, I – Give me another Cole, you know, give me a guy that's can be a playmaker on the edge, that's a good inline blocker that has instincts that are developing throughout his career. I don't think I'm going to go and say, okay, now I need to have this 6'1", 240-pound tight end to split him out wide. Listen, I need a group of tight ends that are willing and capable of playing everything that's asked of the tight end position on this team. And I think every tight end on this team this year was capable of doing that same thing because I don't want you to bring in a tight end that, yeah, he's got a trait, but he's only really good at one thing and that's splitting them out wide on third and long to try to get a mismatch, mismatch coverage. Because when I looked at it, you know, Dave Montgomery, Khalil Herbert, and the running back and the running game philosophy here is still one of the main points of desire.
1: We, would you rather let, – let, let me put it to you this way. Put your personnel cap on, play GM for a minute. What are you doing free agency by position versus draft? Do you care what side of the ball – you're working on on that free agent side versus the draft?
2: You know, I so when when Ryan Pace brought in Riley Reef and Michael Schofield, and I looked at them the first couple of days on the field, I was really wasn't so sure that these guys could even play anymore. But both of them proved over a period of time of being on the practice field that they could. So if Ryan Pace feels, and all of his background as an offensive lineman, there's a young offensive lineman that's out there that's going to be a plug-in day one starter when you go and you spend that money on him. But he's got a career that's going to last another five or six years. And so – at the late stages that he brought in Michael Schofield and Riley Reef, that's what he was able to bring in at that point. But if you're out ahead of this thing and, and Ryan really feels that he can identify an immediate starter on the offensive line, whatever position he thinks is the most important, then I, I, I respect his decision-making in the, the offensive linemen he brought aboard, the free agents and the rookies that he drafted. So right there. Um, if there's a guy that you want to spend money on in free agency, I would allow him. To, I would wish he would do that.
1: You know, a lot of folks are, are, and I see it almost every day, looking to 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 maybe make a trade for Arizona's Hopkins, the wide receiver. Is that something that would interest you?
2: It would. But you know the thing about it is it, it would interest me because he's a dynamic player and he's got the type of speed and if he could develop a relationship with a quarterback I think he could contribute a lot to your offense. However, when I'm talking to a free agent that's moving on for his third time I need to have eye contact with him. I need to have a conversation in the room so I could judge the importance um, that football plays in his in his life and. Um, You can do that by having a conversation. You can have those types of indicators. You can ask the types of questions that you immediately know what answer you want to hear. So he would be hard not to have interest in, but I'm not going to go and immediately put him, you know, at the top of my payroll.
1: He is 30. He'll be 31 by the season opener. So I'm looking more in the 26, 27, 25-year-old range for guys in free agency. So I want him here. Like you're building, so I want him here.
2: Right. That, well, that's kind of like my thinking philosophy for what I would, would, ho- would hope Ryan would have when you're looking at offensive linemen. You're not looking to, to bring in a 30-something. You're looking to bring in a 20-something that all of a sudden he played so well, he gets rewarded with this contract because he's in some type of unique situation on his team. And then Ryan goes and makes a decision there and From day one, he comes here for Chris Morgan, the offensive line at OTAs, and he's in place.
1: All right, I told you this uh, earlier this week uh, because you are not on uh, Twitter or any of the uh, social platforms, but uh, Braxton Jones, named to Pro Football Writers Association of America, all-rookie team at left tackle, the only guy on the Bears to play every snap, one of the few guys in the league to play every snap, uh, outstanding uh, honor, and uh, given the growing pains of that position as a fifth-rounder, I think that's a pretty solid review by, by the experts out there.
2: Oh, no kidding. You know, Jeff, I hope in 10 years from now we're having a conversation about Braxton Jones, and we're saying there, look at this guy. Remember him as a rookie when he was that tall, skinny, underdeveloped player that was able to survive an athleticism and coaching alone? And now look what this guy has grown into. That's, I hope, for Braxton because – He's not going to be able to survive on his skills only at this level. He has to increase his skills fundamentally, technique, and in inside the weight room. And if he's willing to make that type of dedication, you know, I hope in 10 years we're talking about a lifelong, you know, pro bowl, all pro career. Pro Bowl, don't get me started, Jeff. Yes, don't I know. Don't get me started. I, I
1: won't I won't get you started on that. I, I won't even touch it. Uh, also, i got to give a, a shout-out to Jaquan Brisker. Uh, I know he cares a lot about being great. He cares a lot about his day-to-day, and he wants to be the man back there in that secondary. But he doesn't forget where he came from. So today on Twitter, he, he sends out a thank you. Six years ago today, my guy, Mark Duda, the head coach at Lackawanna Junior College, came to his high school, gave me a chance. He got, in all capital letters, a special one from the city. Appreciate, Coach, till this day for that. One of the best decisions I've made in my life. Thank you for everything, Coach. Uh, It tells me a lot about the man right there. If you remember the people who got you where you are right now and maybe you were headed down a wrong path, you need to do it. I told him this was his last chance, like this was going to be it. Lackawanna was it? You got to, and then he found himself, uh, uh, grade wise and and qualifying wise to get to Penn State and be a second round pick of the Bears.
2: You know what's amazing? So earlier in the day, I was going to ask you a question. Is I was going to say this far in advance of the draft, is there any positions on the Bears that you do not have to look at? I would say and, no. No. Okay. No. So to me, I was thinking if I had a position, am I? I I wouldn't have to my. My first choice, I would be running back. I don't need to go out there and draft a running back if I got David and I have Khalil, okay?
1: Well, you don't know if you're going to have David.
2: Right, and so I'm just saying, it, you know, if I had them in place, I would, I would be okay there. And the biggest change of the course of the season has been the defensive backfield, and that's why I'm bringing it up, because of Jaquan Brisker, and then Kyler Gordon, and then where Jalen's at in terms of his career. The defensive backfield and all the guys they, had the, they got a chance to play during the course of the year that they have in-game evaluations from, they're not trying to make a determination of their future just by, you know, a hope that they continue to grow. So defensive backfield with Jaquan, and because of guys like Jaquan and Kyler, it probably be my most second and confident position at the end of the year.
1: All right, stick around. That's Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak, and this is Bears All Access with producer Adam Stadzinski from The Score. We're brought to you by IGS Energy. Back with more in a moment. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW. People who get it with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. Welcome in to the program. A couple of segments to go. We'll preview the conference championships in our final segment. Uh, first of all, you got the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl coming up on Saturday, the East-West Shrine game coming up uh, in a while, and then the Senior Bowl. Tom, do you do you enjoy watching these? Do you tape them and watch them? It's, it's hard because you're not getting the actual coaches tape on these, but... Is this something that you do take a gander at as you prepare for your little draft analysis?
2: Oh no, I love watching them. I actually do because I kind of think back to um, my experiences when I went to these types of uh, when I went to these types of All Star games. Sorry. So, and I, Jeff, let me tell you a funny story. So when I went to the All Star game, I went to the Hula Bowl out in Hawaii, and we we stayed at the Sheridan Surf Rider, which is a hotel right on Waikiki Beach. When you enter the Sheridan Surfrider, there's this grand set of stairs that kind of bring you up into the lobby, and it overlooks the Pacific Ocean there at Waikiki Beach. So when I was getting there, and there was no regulation of the agents at that time, when we walked in after we got off the the flight to get us to the hotel, there was agents (laughs) sitting on every stair with their cards in their hand and trying to, like – give you money or give you try to set up a meeting, get a conversation, try to get you off into a distraction to try to start selling themselves to you. And it was like that was my first exposure to it because at Notre Dame they didn't allow that to happen. So we come off the buses and the more popular guys in the football team, they kinda knew what was going on. And so I get a kick out of it. So but my memory does go back to the game itself. When I went to the Hula Bowl, Jackie Sherrill, who was the head coach of Pitt, who was getting ready to take the Texan A&M job, was our coach. And he said, came to us today, and we are going through the playbook the first day. And he goes, well, man, we have Dan Marino, we have Willie Galt, and we had a couple that He goes, we're not going to run the ball very much Saturday. We are going to throw the ball as, you know often. And we did, and that's what we did. We threw the ball, but... You know, these guys that have the different experiences at these All-Star games. To me, it was a big thrill every time I got to meet or really see in person guys that I was reading about and studying and, you know, hearing about how how great their careers have been. Uh
1: 1983 Hula Bowl. Yes. So, what else did you play in?
2: Nothing. I was supposed to go from the Hula Bowl to the Japan Bowl, which most guys did at that point where I was kind of burned out, and I knew I had three combines to get ready for. So I just I pulled the plug and went back to school and got ready for the combines. Yeah, I'm
1: looking at – so Jimbo is on that team, obviously. I'm just looking at the roster now. Uh, and think about this, because a lot of these names you've never heard of ever again. Uh, but Jimbo, uh, Dave Dreschler from North Carolina – Yes. Yes. Second um, round
2: draft choice of the Green Bay Packers. He's the guy that I'm always bitter against because I should have been drafted <laughs> ahead of Dave Dreshler.
1: And uh Tom Piet from Michigan. Center State.
2: For, center from Michigan State. I mean,
1: I don't even know some of these guys. Uh Tim Krummer, I was on that team. Yes. Uh, from uh oh Dave Doerson. Yes. Uh Gary Kubiak. Interesting. Dickerson. Roger Craig. Man, there was some names here, buddy. Dave Remington, Bruce Matthews, Don Mosbar. Yep. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, that's some good ones. And uh, Dan, so, Mar- Dan Marino was backed up by what quarterback?
2: Gary Kubiak.
1: Mike Hohensey.
2: Oh, Mike. Yes, yes, you're right. You're right, Mike Hohensey.
1: Yeah, out of uh, University of Minnesota. All right, so that's that aspect of things. And this is the falling in love season, too. Uh, because you see some of these games and the week of practice is more important than the games, honestly. with The senior bowl, all the scouts leave on Friday. They don't even wait for the game. They'll watch the tape later, but it's the practices, the one-on-one matchups in the game, and you start seeing guys, uh, and, and you start to fall in love. So when the show's in weeks to come you know you know i'm coming strong oh, on somebody yeah i oh, mean yeah. it's usually it's usually the tiny but mighty guys like antoine winfield jr that i love from tampa bay it'll some be receiver. A,
2: it'll be a db or some yeah. sl- slight tight end yes
1: yes a slight tight end no i i, I do fall in love with uh, defensive backs for some reason uh and uh I, I like running backs i do like running backs those are those are the kind of the guys i start falling in love with all right so Coaching openings. Denver uh, has, has yet to ask for a second interview with Sean Payton, but, you know, they got a bunch of guys on their radar right now. Uh, Arizona, same story. Carolina, Steve Wilks had two interviews already. Frank Reich had a second interview today reportedly. Kellen Moore, the Dallas defensive, or, excuse me, offensive coordinator, uh, going to get an interview there as well. Uh, th- those are the names that you're hearing about right now. Dan Quinn will certainly be. Jonathan Gannon. Uh, certainly will be the defensive coordinator at Philadelphia, uh, just to name a few. Uh, you tuned into any of that. What's your opinion?
2: Well, I, I'm, I see, I like D'Amico Rines. I like oh, the defensive yeah, coordinator of San Francisco. But now I'm kind of worried, is he caught up in a Robert Sala type of uh, of the process of thinking that this guy is ready to be a head coach because he's coaching for a dominant offense? And sometimes now the style of defense they're playing is getting credit um, because they are playing with the time-consuming, high-scoring offense that they get to run against. So, But I, I like D'Amico Rhymes a lot. I think he's done a great job there, and I think the personality of the defense is su- uh, really similar to the style of player he was. So, you know, he's a guy that hasn't been into this coaching carousel and another retread who I would love to see him get his head coaching opportunity. All
1: right, Coach of the Year candidates, you got Brian Dayball, Kyle Shanahan, Nick Sirianni, Sean McDermott, Doug Peterson. Thoughts? No Dan Campbell on that list, but I'm certain he'd get some votes if he were. These will be announced on February 9th. Who would you go with?
2: Um, I really like what Doug Peterson did, only because of the trash heap they were during the whole experience they had with uh, your Ohio State guy. Um, (laughs) I, I can't remember his name. You know, the last... Urban head coach, Meyer. Yeah. Urban I, I, didn't, I didn't
1: think you Urban wanted Meier. to mention his name. so I, No, 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 uh, no. no I'm sorry.
2: Just, I, I, it's kind of forgotten about. It. But the trash heap where the Jacksonville Jaguars were at the end of last year, and, um, you know, they had an interim head coach who, who really wanted to keep the job, but then they tried to go, they went completely on a different uh, lane and picked Doug Peterson, who's had success, but he's been a, doing an unbelievable job with Trevor Simeon and, or Trevor Simeon, Trevor Lawrence and what his future is going to be, and uh, Doug is a you know he's a heck of a football guy.
1: All right, how about MVP? You got the four quarterbacks and Justin Jefferson. So Joe Burrow, Patrick Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, Josh Allen, and Justin Jefferson.
2: You know it's hard to go away from steer away from Patrick Mahomes, and I know he's got a lot of talent around him, and they have a comfortable offense that that has been built around him. However. Is built around him because he's got a lot of great skills and talents and innate ability to do things that you don't necessarily practice and with his teammates being aware of what his skills are peripherally and downfield you know they stay alert and so to me I like what Patrick Mahomes has been able to do but I tell you Joe Burrow he really took a step forward in that Buffalo game. To I mean, he's nipping at the heels of Patrick Mahomes. Uh,
1: and uh, I'm not going to go through the whole list, but Brock Purdy, my Iowa State guy, is a finalist for NFC – or, excuse me, for Offensive Rookie of the Year, playing seven games uh, with the playoffs included. But it, would, that, would that be okay with you to give him that honor, not playing a full season?
2: He's yeah. a finalist. you know, it, it's because – you know, the other guy is the who's the other guy. Kenneth candidates?
1: Walker, yeah. uh, the, the running back Kenneth Walker, and then um, Garrett Wilson from the Jets. You
2: know, Walker, when we went out to Seattle at the start of the year, he had an injury, so he didn't get to play, and I was excited to see him because he had an explosive year at Michigan State. But when you look at the quarterback, especially the third-team quarterback, and you're really not getting any valuable reps really until you start becoming number two, and then you're going to get four or five a week. So f- considering what Brock Purdy has been able to do, making sure that he prepared himself. In all the m- coaching time that he got from the coaches, that's all good and well, but it's about personal preparation that got Brock Purdy ready.
1: Defensive Rookie of the Year, Sauce Gardner of the Jets, Aiden Hutchinson, Lions, Tariq Woolen, the corner of the Big Six, uh, four corner, Seattle. Where, where
2: are you going? I'm telling you, Aiden Aiden Hutchinson, he did better than what I thought he was going to be able to do. Um, I thought he was a little long, but um, he plays inspired football. He allows his teammates to feed off of him. He plays on both ends of the line of scrimmage. He's got instincts for interceptions, but he can still get sacked. So I like what Hutchinson has done, but Sauce Gardner, Here's a guy, man, you may have one of the top corners in the National Football League for the next 10 or 12 yep. years. Yep. And if you hook into one of those guys and now you're really only responsible for three quarters of the field against the less than best receiver on the team, that can do a lot for you. All
1: right. Got to compliment the work of former Bear tight end Greg Olson on the uh, the Fox crew with Kevin Burkhart, uh, the number one crew. They got the NFC Championship game coming up on Sunday at uh, on Fox. Uh does a really good job Tom from a, just a, a slightly removed from playing uh, he's worked at it clearly he he teaches the game well uh, from the little things to the big things I actually texted him on Monday uh, about the job he did because uh, I, I think he's doing an outstanding job uh, he's you know he's, he's not there, there's nothing about it that speaks of anything than less than 100% participation in getting ready to do this in a in a way that he does it at a very very
2: high level. What do you think? Well, you're you're lucky I didn't have that head of hair. <laughs> or else I don't know if you and I would be doing this show right That's now. That's right. No. <laughs> <laughs> No, you, greg you're, not, done,
1: you're, not, you're not pretty enough for television is that what you're <laughs> telling me
2: right. greg has done a great job he really has he's he's been done a great transformation from being a player to being a broadcaster and i think because of the time and the preparation you put in it as an offensive player especially the tight end position because you have to know every wide receiver position every offensive line and blocking position and you have to know every responsibility of the running backs and so Greg has really capitalized on his study habits.
1: And I believe the son of a football coach. So that helps, too, get you set right away learning the game. All right, one more segment to go. We'll preview the conference championship games. And uh, from a Bears perspective, actually, we'll take a look at that with Tom in our final segment here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. You're
0: one of the lucky ones. You were born a Bears fan. Your Sunday best is always blue and orange. And Sunday dinner is always eaten around a pop tailgate. And now you're even luckier because with the Chicago Bears PNC Bank Visa debit card, you can get special discounts on certain Bears merch and concessions. Show you're a Bears fan from the gear you wear to the card you carry. PNC Bank. Passion pays. For details on discounts and other offers, visit pnc.com slash bears card. Visa is a registered trademark of Visa International Service Association and used under license. Copyright 2021. PNC Bank National Association. Number FDIC.
1: Connie's Pizza has been Chicago's go-to pizza for over 50 years. Call 312 Connie's with pizza options, including classic Chicago deep dish, stuffed, thin crust, and our original Connie's Pan pizza. Connie's is home to Chicago's pizza. Call 312 Connie's and visit Connie's Pizza with a whole family and big groups. And visit before and after Chicago Bears games, utilizing our shuttle buses to and from all home games. We're located just six minutes from the stadium and have enough parking for everyone. Connie's Pizza is your go-to pizza for Chicago pizza. Call 312 Connie's and order today. Traveling to an away game to watch the Bears win big? Get ready to celebrate. Celebrated a little too much? Time to sleep in. Slept in and gonna miss that flight home? Time to change your flight without paying change fees, thanks to United. So when will you worry about getting back? Tomorrow, maybe? United, proud to fly the Chicago Bears. Does not include basic economy unless a United waiver applies. Exceptions apply for certain international flights.
0: In America, the future belongs to everyone, so we designed the Ford trucks of the future for everyone. Ford F-Series, America's best-selling trucks for 45 years straight. Made for performance and capability on and off-road because the trucks of the future aren't designed for a few. They're built for America. Ford F-Series, drive one today. Based on 1977 to 2021 calendar year total sales.
1: It's game time, but before Terry can enjoy his brat, he's got one last thing to digest, an impending work deadline. Luckily, CDW helps Terry and his team make big plays from anywhere, even the tailgate, by pre-configuring Lenovo Thinkpads with the Intel Evo platform. With business class performance and effortless connectivity, Terry tosses over the files, and she's got them. Lenovo makes seamless productivity possible. CDW makes it powerful. Learn more at cdw.com slash Lenovo client. CDW, official technology solutions advisor of the Chicago Bears calling all bears fans get the ultimate vip fan package with chicago bears vip secure game ticket and appearance from bears legends and more by visiting chicago bears vip.com jeff joniak and tom thayer before we preview the conference championship games condolences uh, to the lim bramers family the uh, radio legend at wxrt certainly a part of the soundtrack of our lives in this city and the uh, the reaction from the entire community, Uh, longtime veteran radio folks to listeners of all ages has been at once compelling and so sincere and uh, a a real testament to who he was and just how cool he was, Tom, and a big sports fan.
2: I kind of think about some of these guys and how long they've been around and the history and the, traditions Amy, in chicago because he was a part of chicago radio when you press the button to get to his station you know back in the old days when we would get drive our mom and dad car for the first time and am and fm and you'd press the button and according to the station and you know lynn man he's a he's a staple of the chicagoland community and he's a guy when you talk about the radio business you only have to use one name Either his first name or his last name and you know exactly who you're talking about.
1: Right. Everybody's best friend. That's uh that's how that's how I was. <laughs> you know, he had me on during the Super Bowl run on X R T to talk about the Bears and he coined this for me and I I, I I will never forget it. He finished the interview by saying Jeff Joniak calling it like he 's loving it and and i I, I do and that was yeah. that 's an accurate description of my yes. love of play by play of the Chicago Bears in the National Football League all right uh so uh you know condolences again, and uh certainly yes. he will be missed and uh his sports fandom in this town certainly for the cubs and and, and all these teams uh really profound so it, it 's a loss, no question about it. Conference championship games, 49ers looking to become the fourth team in the past 10 years to lead the NFL in total defense and make the Super Bowl in the same year. Uh, believe it or not, only Seattle and Denver have done it in the, during that time. Uh, that's where I'm leaning towards here, even though it's a road tilt at Philadelphia, Tom, with a seventh round rookie quarterback. Uh, and not that the Eagles aren't you know, uh, going to be a difficult opponent in that place, but there's something about the 49ers and their attitude. Uh, I, I know the Eagles are a sack machine, and they got a terrific quarterback right now in Hurts, but I'm leaning towards the 49ers uh, for that reason of a balanced football team. Where are you?
2: Um, I'm going to go with the Philadelphia Eagles. They're the most balanced football team in the NFL that's left in the playoffs. And back when we played them in the 13th game of the year, I had Doug make a comparison of numbers between the Philadelphia Eagles, that were 12-1, and and us, 85 Chicago Bears, who were 12-1 and one at the time, and the numbers were super comparative. And it was the most confident football team that I ever walked out of the locker room with in my life, and I think Phil, Philly's going to be the same way. Purdy doesn't make horrific mistakes, but Jalen Hurts can make game-changing plays. How crazy is this? The Eagles have now – this is from Babe Laufenberg,
1: the analyst for the Dallas Cowboy right. Radio Network and the former quarterback. The Eagles have now made seven NFC title games since the Cowboys' last NFC championship game. Yikes. You're right. That's a yikes. That's an ouch for sure. Uh okay, now let's look at Cincinnati. Zach Taylor's done a tremendous job. He'll be the third head coach in NFL history to appear in two Super Bowls within his first four years, joining Hall of Famer Joe Gibbs and future Hall of Famer Mike Tomlin, if they can pull it off with Joe Burrow, taking their act to Kansas City. They've beaten the Chiefs three straight times, Tommy.
2: Yeah, you know, every, everything that's going to be talked about leading up to this game is going to be the two to quarterback positions. But I think you should talk about the two defensive lines because when you look at Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard, what they need to do from the outside in containing a hobbled Patrick Mahomes, that can change the entirety of this their offense because – a couple of years ago when Tampa Bay beat him and they got Mahomes into a, a, a consistent backpedal, I would, first of all, I'd have to test his least favorite escapability with a bad ankle, and then I would attack repeatedly from that side and push him into his uncomfort, uncomfort zone. And then you talk about Chris Jones in Kansas City. That's a great defensive line.
1: Well, Bengals defensive coordinator, Lou Anarumo, getting a lot of attention. He yep. mixes it up. He makes you think, and he keeps it simple. And one final note before we go, Travis Kelsey has played in 16 playoff games. That's a full season. Well, it'll be a 17th game when he plays on Sunday. But 120 catches, 1,390 yards, and 14 touchdowns in the playoffs. That man is nasty good. That's a full season for somebody at at a high level. He's done it in playoff games, so a guy to watch. Tom, you did a
2: great job tonight, buddy. Don't be looking for any of those skinny tight ends now at the senior bowl. <laughs> That's top
1: there. <laughs> Thanks to Adam Stadinsky here at the score. Dan Brilli and Jordan up as well. Gabe Ramirez coming up next. This has been Bears All Access brought to you by IGS Energy on Chicago Sports Radio 670 of The Score. Good night, everybody.